السلام عليك زين الأنبياء والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه الحمد لله from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he permits us to be able to even sit in these gatherings and hear his name and to know his name subhanahu wa ta'ala and were not to be from his fadl from his bounty is that we won't deserve anything and in fact we don't deserve anything it's always a manifestation of his bounty subhanahu wa ta'ala and just to know His name and to be able to call upon His name and that the houses of the heart as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to in the Qur'an one of the spiritual meanings of which is that in these buyut, in these homes that Allah ta'ala has permitted to be erected and for Him to be remembered therein the spiritual meaning of this is the that hearts that we all have and how He's permitted us subhanahu wa ta'ala to be able to remember Him. And the remembrance of our Lord Taala is essential and it is foundational to our lives as believers. And you don't even need to get into all of the psychological benefits from the remembrance of Allah Taala because there's so many. That is the dimension of our health which will then that really contribute to every other <coughs> lower dimension if we are healthy at the level of the spirit is that we will be able to withstand at all other levels. This is what it is truly about. And we want to accustom ourselves to His remembrance, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and find sweetness in it. This is really the goal. And if we find our hearts hard and dry and it difficult for us to remember Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to keep going. We have to force ourselves to stay still and to keep remembering and to keep reflecting upon the meanings of that remembrance until that it becomes very easy for us to remember Him, <coughs> subhanahu wa ta'ala, for extended periods of time. And then, it reaches a certain point where someone starts to find the sweetness in the remembrance of His name, tabaraka wa ta'ala. And in this regard, is that in these great poems that we've heard, recited tonight, that the last one by the great Imam Ali bin Muhammad al-Habshi, who passed away that roughly a hundred years ago, is that he teaches us how to implore our Lord. And I want to just look at a few of these meanings because they're so important. The words of the righteous are practical manifestations of individuals who have internalized the meanings of the book of Allah, put them into practice and receive their fruits. And as a result, that Allah brings words of wisdom to their tongues. And so that their hearts are filled with the light of the Qur'an. And thus everything that they say in a sense, is connected to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, either directly or indirectly. And so when he says, Rabbi inni yada sifat al-aliyah, is that he notices here, and he, that refers to his Rabb, his Lord, as the possessor of these lofty traits, these lofty attributes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then, that when he attributes loftiness to Allah, how does he, what does he attribute to his own self? Qa'imun bilfina uridu atiyah. I am standing in your courtyard, metaphorically speaking, of course. When you knock on the door of Allah with your heart, with your tawajjuh and in your ibtihal and in your tadarrat, and you're turning to Allah and you're supplicating of Him, you are metaphorically knocking on the door of Allah and we want gifts to come from Him. 
because the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are always great and they will transform us and they will lead to good in this world and the next. That I am beneath the door of hope. And as I stand, I do so with my humility. I'm humble, Ya Rab, standing at your door, imploring you, recognize that you have these sifat al-aliyah. So then the supplication goes, فَأَغِثْنِي بِالْقَصْدِ قَبْلَ الْمَنِيَةِ That allow me to attain what I desire before I take my last breath, before I die. أَغِثْنِي and, re- and, re- and, and, and literally that means relieve me. And so what this indicates to him is that he is a person of qast. <clears throat> he is a person of intention. And he is a person of resolution. And for them, these people, their that intentions are lofty. Their resolutions are lofty. And we should always remember, we need to remind ourselves of this daily. Is that the more that we preoccupy ourselves with the concern of the hereafter, the more that our Lord will take care of the affairs of this world. The more that you try to focus on the affairs of this world, the more entangled you'll become. And the more difficult they'll be made for you. But if we lift ourselves up above these worldly affairs, and it doesn't mean that you don't take the means, of course you do. But if we strive to have our predominant concern be the concern of the hereafter in returning safely unto our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will Himself take care of all of these worldly affairs. And we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes when we have that anxiety about where our next paycheck is going to come from, what job that we're going to do next, what event is going to happen in our life after the one we're experiencing in the moment. We need to remind ourselves is that we have a Rabb. And the Rabb is the one who that gives tarbiyah and he takes something from its starting point to its ending point. And as we experience the vicissitude of life, we will have ups and downs. But even if we feel that we're about to hit rock bottom, still even then, we can never forget that the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how He can transform us and take us out of that state as He pleases and when He wants to baraka wa ta'ala. So we need to set our sights high and on lofty affairs and really that hammer into our heart the importance of focusing upon the next world and making that our hem, our concern, our qast, and that we have azam and resolution in relation to this. And then, as we heard in this beautiful poem that was just recited, The noble messenger is the door of my hope. He's the door of my hope. We're not to be for Sayyidina Muhammad. We wouldn't know anything about Islam. We wouldn't know anything about the Kaaba. We wouldn't know anything about the Hajj or the Umrah or any of the other forms of worship. It is only through Him that we know all of this Wasallam. And we obviously only worship Allah. That's a given. But how do we know even how to worship Allah if we were left to ourselves? And for those of us that know what it's like to experience the bitterness of misguidance in kufr, and the narrowness and the constrictedness of your heart, that when you're in that state of disbelief, you can't imagine a life without the light of Islam and the expansion of the heart that happens as a result. You can't imagine a life. And what would it have been like to have remained in darkness? Ya Latif. That darkness is horrible. You would not wish it for your worst enemy. And from the bounty of Allah is that we've been granted the light of Islam and the light of the teachings of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We recognize 
is that he is the door of our hope. And notice here is that he also used this word in relation to Allah, but by means it is him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because then he mentions the same thing. He previously said, and that ghoth is ultimately from Allah, that's divine succor, but also in the realm of the means. He is my support. He is my aid. He is my succor, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And not just me, wa ghothu kul al-bariya. And he does the same for all of creation, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. bihi. So relieve me through him. Wa ballig fu'adi. And bless my heart to reach kullama yartajihi min umuniya. Everything that is hoping for, for what I desire. So it was just essentially repeated. First and foremost directly to Allah. And then by means of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Bring my affair together. We don't want to be in a state of disarray. Sometimes we wake up in the morning, we go through our day, we're in complete disarray. Is that jam'a shamal is we want our affairs to be in order. Is that we don't want to be all over the place and this and that and thinking about this and going to this valley and that valley in our thoughts. Is that we want our affairs to be gathered in the sense that our hearts are pure and singularly focused on what is truly important. And we want to be in states of happiness and light. States of happiness and light. We should never ever forget the importance of surur. We should never forget the importance of happiness and joy. That Mukhtar sent me that a video and showed me this video of this very blessed man, I think it was somewhere in Morocco or somewhere in the western part of the Muslim world. And it was this very beautiful man who was sitting in a gathering of dhikr. And he was faced with, filled with light. And he's just happy. That as the, the gathering is going on, you just see him, he's happy. People come in and he's waving and he's looking and he's smiling and he's enjoying. Allahu Akbar. And he's an older man. Subhanallah, may we be like that when we're that age. As we traverse through life, may we be like that. May no tribulation steal that from us. May we maintain that state with our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and truly find joy <clears throat> in His remembrance and in His the remembrance of His Messenger and in gathering such of these that have only been established for that purpose. To remember Him sallallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala and to remember His Prophet but specifically is that that Hashemite countenance of Rasulullah. And when you say that word Hashemi, what does it mean to you? If you've been around the true people of Beni Hashem, is that you'll know there's no one like them. They're unparalleled amongst Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. And we know in Sahih Muslim the hadith of Istifa that talks about the divine selection. One of the specific tribes that were mentioned is Beni Hashem. Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala is that He chose Bini Hashem from amongst Bini Kinana and from the Quraysh in general. He chose Bini Hashem and then chose Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Bini Hashem. And if you've ever experienced Hashemite generosity, Ya Latif, is that you will melt. Because that the true inheritors of the Rasul that have the same DNA and the same blood flowing in their veins, when they exemplify those great virtues, that it is compounded in its virtue because of their physical connection to the Prophet ﷺ and the spiritual. There's something special about it. 
And then he asks for other things as well, <clears throat> that we want sidqa dikbad. We want true direction of the heart towards Allah fi kulli amrin. No matter what it is that we do, is that we direct our heart to Allah. And that we make it a means for drawing near to Him. Whether we're with our families, whether we're at work, whether we're with the brothers, whether we're running an errand, whether we're in our car, whether wherever we are in our day. Sidq al-Iqbal. And Iqbal is that state of your heart where you are constantly in a state of turaqqab. That you are looking over your heart, waiting for one of the nafahat of Allah. Waiting for one of the sweet breezes of Allah Ta'ala's mercy to breeze through. And this is oftentimes a prerequisite to experience those sweet breezes. Is that you be aware. Because when we fall into a state of heedlessness, it very well might be that we're about to receive something, but it is diverted from us. Because our heart is closed to it. But when we are open to receive, we are much more likely to receive that great spiritual benefit. And then... That we also want to be truthful in every intention. Look at that. So meaning you can have an intention that's not truthful. But having sidq in your niyyah is when you intend something, you do it. If that you want to serve in some capacity, you do not let your nafs that prevent you from doing so. If you want to give something, you do not let the nafs of shaitan prevent you from doing so. Is that if you want to start a new form of ibadah, is that you do not let your nafs prevent you from doing so, or you don't let it become lazy after such that you then that give up on it. Is that you have sidq in your niyyah. When you do something, you do something with resolution, placing your trust in Allah, tabarakah wa ta'ala, Rabbi fasluk bina sabiri rijalin. Oh Allah, bless us to travel the way of the rijal, the true men of this religion that Allah wa ta'ala referred to in his book, Rijalun la tulhihim tijaratun wa la and Is that the true men of Allah that are not distracted by commerce or that, uh, that buying and selling that from the remembrance of Allah. Nothing distracts them. These are the men that we want to be. That Rijalun Sadaqu Ma'ahadullah Alayh. The true men of Allah Ta'ala who've been faithful to this covenant. We want to follow in their path, which is a path of taqwa, a path of piety, and is a path that is upright, and that we want to be guided like they were guided, these great Sad al Arifin, the knowers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we he asked Allah Tabarak wa ta'ala is that the knowledge that we are gifted is that it lead us to have dhok, experience, such that we understand the secret of the meanings of the witness with Allah, His ma'iyah. And He is with you wherever you are, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to understand the secret of that. Because the intellect can understand that that meaning exists, but it is the heart that experiences it. So what a matlab, what a thing He is asking for. What a thing He is asking for. And this is an example of how that he's essentially asking to experience that verse in the Qur'an. And he is with you wherever you are. And then he asks in the end for protection. Because if you are granted that, you need to be protected. <laughs> and O oh Allah, protect our hearts to have any of the following thoughts come to them. Whether it come from the nafs or shaitan or the hawa or something of a worldly nature. That we be protected from anything that would distract us. That these poems, 
are packed with meanings that we're only touching the surface when we speak about them in this way. And inshallah ta'ala, that we also want to mention a little bit about the topic of futuwa as we continue on in our study of that Imam Sulami's book. And we're going to take the following two etiquettes. The first is, وَمِنِ الْفَتُوَّةِ أَتَّحَبُّبُ وَالتَّزَاوَرُ فِي اللَّهِ وَالتَّوَاصُلُ It is from futuwa to show love to your brothers. Visit them for the sake of Allah and remain in touch with them. And that this makes me embarrassed to mention this when someone like Sheikh Abdul Karim visits his brother constantly. And it's been a long time since I've been up there to see him in Michigan. And I was unable even to be there for the opening of Dar al-Rahmah. But inshallah the intention was there and I hopefully get to visit soon. But this is from Futuwa. Is that we show love to our brothers. And that we allow ourselves to be loved. And that we remove obstacles so that love can take place between our brothers and our sisters for His sake subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then we follow that up with tazawur. Zuru ghibban tazdadu hubban. Visit your brothers from time to time and you will increase in love. It's very important to visit people. Is that when we were in Yemen, is that every Thursday for those living in Dar Mustafa, they were required to go visit another room of people. It was mandatory. Because we knew that if we were left to ourselves, we would only visit a certain people. We were forced to make rounds and visit people. And that this is something that our teachers wanted to implement in those living outside of Dara Mustafa as well. And so there was constant encouragement and there was that thing set up so that knowing people are only going to sometimes visit people and usually only that certain people is that we were forced to visit different people. And if we're sincere in this, is that we won't need someone to force us. We'll go out of our way to visit people that we might not normally visit. And again, we don't have to be everybody's best friend, but we have to at very least give everyone their haq as a Muslim. And in communities like this, and in people that are connected to that communities like this, we need to raise the bar above the bare bones of the sharia, where we have just a little bit of ihsan if not a lot. And we should always call ourselves to what is higher, and then tawasul. So tazawar is to physically go visit, and tawasul is to remain in touch. And previously this was oftentimes done through correspondence where they would write letters and things of this nature, but now it is even easier. Is that we should text our brothers and our sisters from time to time, to keep in touch with them, to see how it is that they are doing, and the hadith that he quotes about this in the collection of Imam Bayhaqi is amazing. And there's multiple narrations. The one that he quotes is the following Haqqat Mahabbatin Allahu Akbar. Is that my love has become mandatory for those who love each other for my sake. Like really, it's almost as if sometimes we don't believe. Or you could say that our iman is so weak. We hear these ahadith. And then we belittle what it is that we need to do in relation to this hadith. What a hadith. Nothing is mandatory upon Allah. He has made it the reward He is going to give for people that love each other for His sake. He has said, حَقَّتْ mahabbati. It has become mandatory. In another narration, وَجَبَتْ لِلْمُتَّحَابِّينَ فِي وَحَقَّتْ مَحَبَّتِ لِلْمُتَّوَاصِلِينَ فِي And also my love has become mandatory for those who remain in touch for my sake, 
And that my love has become mandatory for those who preserve their pure relationship for my sake. And my love has become mandatory for those who sacrifice for each other for my sake. This is our deen. And at least if we're falling short, let's admit that we've fallen short so that we can do better. And then the next etiquette. وَمِنِ الْفُتُوَّةِ مَحَبَّةِ الْغُرَبَةِ وَحُسْنُ تَعَهُدِهِمْ It is from futuwa to love strangers and to care for them. It is from futuwa to love ghuraba, to love strangers and to care for them. And recently that we had, we had done a presentation on this idea of strangers... And that it was amazing when we were preparing for this, the various ahadith of the Rasul that relate to strangers. Now this particular that statement that relates to futuwa actually means the stranger. And that it's amazing that we find that oftentimes those described as strangers, one of the descriptions tends to be with the Ahl Sufa. That is where the strangers went in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Not somewhere at the periphery, at the edge of the city that you can find and don't want to be around. They were the closest of people to the Rasul after his family and those that were living directly around the masjid. They were right there in the masjid. There was a porch at the back that was covered where they, where they remained. <coughs> and most of them were strangers. Most of them were not known to the local people. And they had nowhere else to go. And just look at that metaphor. Now, whether we can do that or not in our time, I know there's other challenges. But also we should look deep down within ourselves and see the way that we are living. And at very least admit that we are falling short. That we have chosen a lifestyle that limits us. Let's at least admit it. And realize because that we've chosen this lifestyle is that we are simply not able to be there for our people the way that we should. Let's at least admit it and do the best we can. But let's admit it and feel like we've fallen short before our Lord. And realize is that there is so much more that we could be doing for people and helping solve so many of the problems that people are facing, the trauma that they are going through and the pain that they have. And if we don't admit that, there's something wrong with our iman and our deen. And there's something wrong in relation to our understanding of the teachings that were sent down to Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam. And this is why they saw this to be from Fatuwa, Not just tolerating strangers. Muhabba. Loving strangers. And so we can set the record straight <coughs> is that in spaces like this, we absolutely must assert that everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome. Unless that in the rare exception, somehow someone is harming someone or something like that, which usually doesn't happen. Everybody here is welcome. Wherever, whatever whether they believe or whether they don't believe, or whether they're struggling in their belief, or whether they're extremely conservative. 
I absolutely refuse to accept that you can't have one space where everyone is simultaneously welcome. Because that's how it was in the Rasul said a main space, which was his masjid. Everyone was welcome there. Jews, Christians, other people. Everyone was welcome there. And I'm not aware of a narration, but maybe pagans as well too. But the point is, is that our Prophet ﷺ, he set these principles. And we have to live up to that standard. Especially when we are coming together and we're trying to be serious about our deen. And that if we see someone new come into this space, we should know by now, is that we welcome people. And we have to overcome our own narrow-mindedness and our lack of sharh sadr Our heart is not open enough to even sometimes tolerate our next door neighbor, let alone that new people that come into the gathering. And that is a deficiency. And we have to see it as such. And we have to work on ourselves. Because if we are not that solving the problems of the societies in which we live, Islam is going to have a shelf life. It's going to come and it's going to go in this country. If we want to root Islam in these countries in a very real way, and I'm not making any claims, I am the greatest shortcomer in this. If we want to root Islam in these countries, we have to in a very serious way have a concerted effort to provide a real, not sloganized solution to this. And it starts with deep mercy, compassion, empathy, and love. Or in another order, love, mercy, compassion, and empathy. If we don't have that, what do we have? If we don't have that, what good do you expect from an individual family or community? That is where it all begins. Mahabbatil ghurab. Loving them and not stopping there. Not just looking after them. That caring for them in a good way. Giving preference to them. The Sahaba, when they had prisoners of war in the battle of Badr, they gave them the better of two food. Because our Prophet said, Istosu bi asra badr khayra kama qala sallallahu is that treat the prisoners from the battle of better well. Which, when have you ever seen that in human history? That of the two foods, the companions gave the better of two foods to prisoners of war that were fighting against them the day before. When have you ever seen that in human history? But those are the principles of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if that's the case with a prisoner of war, what about someone who is really seeking Allah? And I remember this story, and I'm going to get in trouble probably for mentioning it, but let it be. That there was a story that I heard firsthand from someone who was present. And that one of our teachers was in a particular place, and this young man came up to the group, and was asking questions and saying that I want to be around you and I want to be with you. I want to attend any gatherings that you are going to. And someone just brushed this person off. And just said, oh, all this person, he wants something. He just wants to beg or he, wants, he needs food or he needs something. And they basically just brushed him off. And our teacher ended up out of the quarters. I seen this person brush this person off. And him kind of walking away. 
he followed him. And when he that met this person, this young man was crying because of what had taken place. So he spent time with him and he made him feel better. He gave him his phone number and said that we can meet when we go to such and such a place and so forth. And then that on the way back is that someone witnessed from a distance a type of austere person that he met with on his way back after this had happened. And that it turns out that that was a very special person that he was gifted with as a result of what he did. But what happened was is that he made this person feel better. Everybody is important. And people's feelings are most important. But it requires a person of fatuwa, of spiritual chivalry, to actually deem this to be important. But if we're not going to start with ourselves doing this, who are we waiting for to do it? Who's going to do it? The vast majority of people, ourselves included, are so concerned about our worldly affairs and do anything to protect them, is that we restrict ourselves to doing very little. But there are other meanings as well that relate to ghuraba. And that I will close on that this particular point. One of the amazing things is if you look at that the examples of people that could be considered to be strangers in the Qur'an, although the word gharib is not mentioned in the Qur'an, but especially in the sunnah, in the hadith of our messenger, sallallahu is that you find is that the Prophet spoke of strangers in a very positive way. And these are really spiritual strangers. These hadith we all know. The one in Muslim states, this religion began as something strange. Islam began as something strange. And will revert to being strange. So glad tidings to the strangers. And then the other hadith that we all know is that the Prophet said to Ibn Umar, the son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar, and he was a young man, a young teenager. So when was the last time that we've said this to someone that was 11, 12, or maybe 13 years old? The Prophet said to him, Kun fid dunya sabil. Be in the dunya as if you are a stranger or someone just passing by, yani a wayfarer. Most of us are telling our teenagers, get dunya, you absolutely need this, you absolutely need that, you have to be able to make a living, you have to be able to... And I'm not saying that you don't that take the means. But where are our priorities? Where are our priorities? Take the means, but from a standpoint of first and foremost having your heart right. The Prophet is telling this young man to be in the dunya as if he is a stranger. And a stranger is someone who happens to come upon a particular place. They don't have family in that place. They don't have a home there. What are they going to do? There's no connection. There's no attachment to that particular place. And then the scholars say is that the Prophet then emphasized O here, and it's not necessarily even meaning or, that's how we just translated it, that actually, that even someone who has less attachment than a stranger, Who's someone who's just passing by. Like someone who comes to a bus stop, gets on a bus and then goes. That's even going... Because a stranger could have iqama. They could reside for a few days. But someone passing by 
is that what are you going to do? Are you going to establish attachments at a bus stop or a train station or an airport? You're going to keep moving. And subhanallah, there's many other meanings as well. I just want to share one more hadith, two more in fact. Is that one of them is, this is in the collection of Abu Naim and his Hilya. Ahabu shayn ilallahi al The most beloved of things or people to Allah are the strangers. Al farrarun bidinihim. Those who flee with their religion. And this is Sifu Mubalagha. And that could have an outward meaning that they physically move to another location because they don't feel they can practice their deen right in that place. But it also could be that metaphorically is that they flee with their deen, meaning they protect themselves from that the what their all of the difficulties of their particular time. What is their reward? Allah will resurrect them on the day of judgment with Jesus, the son of Mary. Allahu Akbar. If this doesn't give us hope, what does? And then finally, The stranger, when he is away from home, is like the one fighting in the path of Allah. Every time he lifts his foot, Allah Ta'ala increases him in rank. hasana, And Allah will write for him 50 good deeds every time he lifts his foot. Is that the one who's a stranger when he's away from home and were he to die, is that, that he will attain paradise. He's one of those who received the reward of a shaheed. Because it's hard to die in ghurbah. It's hard to die with not people around that you're familiar with to help you. Akrimul ghurbah, the Prophet then said. Honor strangers. And then on, look at the meshad, not just because, oh yeah, we're special, so we're going to honor them. Look at the frame the Prophet is giving. Because Allah will grant them an intercession on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Perhaps is that you attain salvation through their intercession. So, in closing, that if we understand that this is the case, is that we should know that the world by its nature has to turn us away because we weren't meant to be here. Our home is in Jannah. And even before that, it was in the Divine Presence. And so that this is something we have to come to terms with and something that we have to work on and to try to divorce ourselves from the attachments of the world that as that great line of poetry that Imam An-Nawi mentions in Ziyad al-Sari, Inni lillahi ibadan futana Indeed that Allah Ta'ala has intelligent servants dunya wa fitana is that they have divorced the world and had and are weary of its fitan of its trials and tribulations and problems and difficulties and all that other stuff and the lines of poetry grove on May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, bless us in all of our different affairs and bless us to truly be 
people of Fatuwa, Ya Rabbil Adameen. May Allah Ta'ala bless us to be able to achieve this great spiritual station of being strangers here in this world. And that outwardly is that may we be among the people, but inwardly that may be our hearts be close to the one who is always close to us, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. If we are away and distant from our homeland, that inshallah ta'ala we will be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who that is always close to us subhanahu wa ta'ala he's closer to, closer to us than our own juggler vein may Allah ta'ala bless us in all of our affairs wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen